0: the Pillars of Health podcast with strength coach John Carroll. Coming to you from the Movement Lab in Raleigh, North Carolina. We're about to dive into everything you need to know when it comes to strength and conditioning, nutrition, sleep, and stress management. Check us out on movementlabrally.com and coachjohncarroll.com. And now your host, John Carroll. Really excited to talk to Tony Jacobson today. Yeah, welcome to the podcast, Tony. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm super excited to uh, talk with you and, and all your listeners.
1: Yes, um, uh, we're going to delve into your story, and it's, it's quite a story that really uh, stood out to me, and uh, we'll really fill, fill the listeners in on that on just a second, but um, let's, uh, let's just hit up the icebreaker question real quick. We'll get things rolling here. What memories stick out to you most from your childhood, and Why?
0: Oh, man. Memories of my childhood. Well, you know, once you hear my story, uh, a lot of memories I had were of being laid up bed, unfortunately. Right. And spending a lot of time in front of the TV and uh, spending a lot of time just kind of being with my own self and uh, really pushing myself with my imagination. So, you know, it, it was a blessing and a curse um, at the same time. So, yeah, my childhood was... Full of full of that.
1: Right, right. And just to kind of fill everybody in, you were diagnosed early on with osteogenesis imperfecta, right?
0: That is correct.
1: Right. So yeah, just for for everyone kind of listening, let's get into your background and, and kind of start your story and yeah, kind of take everyone on that journey.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I was uh, I was uh, when I was born, I was diagnosed with osteogenesis imperfecta. That's also known as brittle bones, brittle bone disease. And, you know, growing up, I, you know, I was breaking, breaking bones pretty frequently. Every few months, I would say, you know, because of that, I was using a wheelchair uh, when I was a kid. So I would uh, use a wheelchair, I would say, 98% of the time would be laid up and in the hospital, in and out of the hospital, having surgeries, um, you know, just kind of dealing with breaks as I was growing up. You know, eventually, once I got, uh, once I got older, you know with oi like kind of after you pass puberty bones tend to get stronger and so later on i you know was able to actually get out of the wheelchair and start walking on crutches mm-hmm. so that was that was an awesome experience that wasn't until high school So, um, you know, that was an experience just on its own, just getting up and and getting on crutches. And then, you know, once I was kind of walking on crutches for a few years, I, again, just started to get a little bit stronger. Eventually, you know, had a, had a surgery done. I think it was my last surgery, my 12th surgery at that time. Okay. And that's when I was in my early 20s, mid 20s. And that's when I finally took my first steps, actually, like without any assistance, no crutches. And that's when I started walking. So, yeah, by that time, I had probably about 50 or so fractures at that point. I had had my 12 surgeries. I had steel rods put into all of my bones in my legs. So both femurs and both tibias. So I have steel rods in there and I had them put in when I was younger and they were switched out and stuff as, as we went along. But, uh, yeah, up until that point, it was all about just trying to survive basically, you know, and try and, try and get along. But, um, yeah, I started walking when I was 24. Wow. So
1: yeah.
0: Um, that's a a lot to digest, right? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. So you mentioned you had a lot, of, a lot of fractures, a lot of broken bones. Do you, do you remember, like, how many breaks you had total before you started walking?
0: Yeah, before I started walking, probably it was around the 50 range. Okay. Uh, 50 or 50. Oh, man. You lose count after time. Right, yeah, yeah. You know, especially with OI. <laughs> like, I have type 1, which is the mildest form. So um, depending on the severity, someone can have – Maybe a couple breaks, two or three breaks in life, right. and there's some people that have hundreds of breaks in life. So you know, I consider myself to be fairly lucky, but still, I was at you know 50 or 60 breaks, and I've had a total of about somewhere around 70, I think, up till now. Okay. So yeah, it was. It's been a lot of fractures, uh, all different various bones in my body, mostly my legs. Okay. But uh, yeah, so it's been around that number.
1: And you mentioned the uh, the steel rods in the legs, right? Uh, and yeah. ha- are they're still there today?
0: Yeah. I actually had the last ones um, that I had put in. Well, the last surgery I had at 24, that replaced one of the rods. So that was the last one that I had. Okay. And, yeah, I still have all the originals in there. They're they're doing their job. Okay. Well, this is incredible
1: because you, you mentioned that you took your first steps in, like, your mid-20s. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you were a wheelchair-bound before that, but now yeah. you're pretty functional at the moment right like you are able to walk and run and exercise
0: yeah absolutely it's been you know and that wasn't always the case Mm -hmm. and but yes I absolutely am now um, able to do a lot more than I ever thought possible and uh, you know that really only came through pushing myself kind of through my own personal transformation and that just happened a few years ago Okay. so yeah
1: awesome awesome now originally when you know, when you were younger and obviously not initially after you were born because, of, you know, none of us have that memory. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you were able to kind of, you know, talk with doctors and stuff like that, what were they telling you, like some of the things you would be capable of? Like, what were they saying? Like, like listen, this is going to be the limit of what's going to happen in your
0: life. Yeah, you know, I was personally very lucky to have One of the first really highly skilled doctors to be my primary physician at that time when I was a kid. Uh, His name was Dr. Saul Bernstein out in Los Angeles. And he had been dealing with people with OI for many years by the time I even came around. Mm -hmm. I was very fortunate to have him because he was always a proponent for me to get up and uh and and walk and push myself and and really you know get moving i didn't understand it when i was a kid you know i just didn't uh, all i was feeling was pain and broken bones and then really on the on the personal side like my family that's where i kind of got stopped because my family was very much be careful Mm -hmm. don't move they didn't want me to break because you know whenever i had a fracture everyone would be affected So as far as the medical side, I got very lucky where my main doctor, my primary doctor, was telling me, look, you can do things. You can get up. You can don't let this stop you. I just didn't hear it. And, um, you know, that's and it's different for a lot of people, of course. But that's kind of what I dealt with. I dealt with my doctor telling me that I would thrive. But then I had everybody else telling me to be careful.
1: Right, right. So that's, yeah, it's, it's kind of like a balancing act, so to speak, because you you want your doctor, obviously, to almost give you that hope, right, that there's something at the end of the tunnel. Um, mm-hmm. But obviously, your family loves you, and, and they want you to be careful and, and not make yourself worse. But when you started on crutches, and, and you kind of felt yourself getting stronger over time, and you knew possibly that you know, you could be what other coaches one day. What was that feeling like to know that you were working towards that goal of, of one day being able to, to kind of stand on your own?
0: Man, it was, you know, it was, it was pretty funny because I didn't necessarily know what the final outcome would be. For me, I always, you know, all through my life, I always felt that there was always something better for me. Yeah. I always felt that I could do more. I just didn't ever really know what it was. So even when I got on the crutches like each stage of the game I didn't know what was next. Yeah. I didn't necessarily have a goal like when I got on crutches I didn't have the goal to walk. I just thought, well, now I'm on crutches now. Okay. So this just this is just where I'm going to be. I was very much the person that was comfortable being uncomfortable and you know a lot of people get into that situation. Mm-hmm. So for me, you know, even getting out of the wheelchair like it was just because it happened. It wasn't because I said to myself, you know i'm gonna i'm gonna get out of this wheelchair right it just was a natural progression of of myself and my body and then once i got to you know once i was on the crutches and then it was time to walk it wasn't necessarily a like a purposeful or intention to walk it just kind of happened right. so it was really funny Because things were happening to me that were for my benefit that I didn't necessarily have control over. Mm -hmm. But so my feeling of it was like I wasn't making it happen necessarily.
1: Right, right. Yeah. And in some ways that that could be almost better, you know, moving forward with those goals. Because if you have that goal where it's like, okay, I want to aim to walk one day. You know, you're consciously working on that. Whereas if you're just taking it day by day, but you're not sure whether what, what is a possibility or not, it's almost like a pleasant surprise in some ways.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I was definitely pleasantly surprised at how life changed once I did get on the crutches and once I did start walking. I mean, there, you know, things happened for me that hadn't happened before. So I was definitely pleasantly surprised and, and it felt good. I mean, don't get me wrong, the feeling was awesome. Right. And I loved it. And, um, you know, it was really something positive for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that, that transition from the wheelchair to, to the crutches, did you did you feel a difference? Uh, obviously, over time, the, the longer you were on the crutches, like do you feel that strength build up in your legs and your body overall, you know, standing compared to being sitting down all day?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just overall movement in my body. I definitely felt different like in my legs and um, in my hips and my back. Um, you know, definitely started feeling uh, differently, started feeling stronger because even when it got to that point where it was time to kind of have that last surgery, fix the rod that was in my Because at that time, I had a rod that was bent. Okay. And uh, that was preventing me from really even trying to stand straight because one leg was significantly shorter than the other. When it got to that point to have that surgery and then get on my feet, it really did, um, you know, I felt stronger. I mm-hmm. felt good because I was like, oh, wow, I can really do this. Yeah. It, it was uh, it was miraculous. Yeah.
1: Oh, wow, that's fascinating. And uh, yeah, especially, you know, for, for teenagers going into high school, you know, high school is is definitely... A challenge in itself, but let alone going in with with OI like yourself. How did that play out for you?
0: Oh, man. High school was, yeah, high school was crazy. Anything having to deal with school, having to deal with other kids. Um, you know, there's always a line of bullying that happens. Right. Um, you know, with a disability, I think that it was a little worse. I think kids get bullied no matter what. Yeah. Um, you know, every, all the kids are looking for the kid that's different to make fun of. So I think that, you know, I was that kid for a while. Uh, Luckily for me, I was able to, you know, I was always doing my best to be funny, doing my best to come back at people. Um, You know, I could, you know, I could make fun of someone just as quick as they can make fun of me sort of thing. I think that's where my defenses came in. But it was still tough because I still dealt with it. And it was still, you know, depressing. Uh, I felt alone. You know, a lot for me, though, in high school changed because I really did start to learn that people can look past the disability. And so I made a lot of good friends, um, you know, that that didn't even really think about the disability the way that I did. In fact, I think I played more into it than they did. Right. So for me, it was that sort of situation.
1: Okay, okay. Yeah, the fact that you, you went through that and, you know, high school is challenging enough, you know Basically, yeah. when you're fully functional, right, let alone when you're dealing with OI or something like that. Um, yeah. I just feel like for you, that, that must have just built up a tremendous amount of, of like, resistance and character and, and mental strength over, over that time.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. It really taught me to, again, just understand the world a little differently mm-hmm. and understand, like, why would people do this? Uh, you know, it really helped me to think more and think on my feet, you know, <laughs> no pun intended. Because, right. uh, you know, I was in the chair at the time, so I really couldn't think on my feet. Right, but, you know, right. um, being you know thinking on my feet, being being witty, thinking, um, you know, like just thinking outside of myself and, and understanding, oh, you know, these people just don't know what's going on. You know, yeah. there's I think it really did push me in that way. And I think that's what happens with a lot of kids, you know, may feel they're getting bullied. A lot of kids come out, you know stronger than ever because yeah. they do have that insight and they're able to see something differently. Right,
1: right, for sure, for sure. And yeah, and, and kind of like looking back on that whole journey and, and how you dealt with that, would you classify that as like some one of the biggest obstacles you've overcome to date?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think just the uh, overcoming or and I don't really call it overcoming. I, I really look at it more of as embracing yeah. Embracing my disability. Right. That's really been the biggest the biggest hurdle in my life throughout this time. And that's what I've been able to uh, really accomplish. I feel really accomplished and proud of that.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic achievement and, and you you kinda of channeled that into your book, right? Disable your disability.
0: Yes. Yes. Absolutely. That's what the book is about. You know, okay. that's where the that's where the book came from. It came from this uh, this time in my life that just happened. You know, again, like I was saying earlier, a few years ago. Uh, I'm 47 now. This happened about five years ago when I was 42, um, and that's where this book came from. It was a big transformation in my life physically, mm-hmm. where. You know, like I I just started walking when I was 24, but I didn't do anything physical because I was afraid of still breaking bones. Yeah. So because of that, you know, I didn't do anything. I kind of tried my best not to move too much. And, you know, I was eating whatever I wanted to. I was not moving. So we know what that means. That yeah. means I'm going to gain weight. Right. And so I gained a lot of weight through my 20s and 30s. Okay. And, you know, when I was coming up on 40, I was like in the worst kind of shape of my life, just not feeling good. And just even beyond the disability, beyond having like, you know, having my bones hurt, my joints hurt, and everything was in pain, I was having other physical things happen to me. Mm -hmm. It was at that point that, you know, I had gone to the doctor, and I was having stomach issues, and I had an EKG. And he told me that I might have had a small heart attack. Okay. So, I mean, just beyond the disability, nobody wants to hear that, especially right. at forty forty years old. Yeah. So it was a whole mix of things that came over me at that point where it was like, man, I have to do something. I have to think about my disability differently because my disability was what was stopping me from being physical, right. and I knew that I had to get physical in order to really get better. So this, you know, I tell the the whole story in the book Uh, is it is about my journey through really embracing the disability, figuring out how to live with it and how to use it to my advantage. Yeah. Because, you know, really, you know, exercise and lifting weights is the exact opposite of what O.I. tells you. You know, O.I. is like, man, you're going to break bones (laughs) (laughs) and and lifting weights, you know, that you're going to break something, you know. So I always had that in my mind. So it was really like learning. How do I do this? How do I get physically fit with this disability? And so that's what the book is about. And, you know, once I went through that and I got healthier, I lost, you know, a bunch of weight. Again, I started doing things even more physical than I ever thought. I was running, jumping. I was, you know, it's just amazing what I was able to accomplish. Right. So that's what I wanted to tell. I wanted to, you know, share that story and then really just lay out the framework for how other people can do it.
1: Right. That's an awesome story. And, you know, just to try and get a glimpse of what your mindset must have been like because you're at this crossroads, like you said, of having to move more you know, and obviously to offset your, your health situation, but also you have OI kind of holding you back to a certain extent. So how did you move forward at that crossroads? It, was it a case of like trying to take things just slowly and ease into a fitness and nutrition regime and, and kind of see how things go?
0: Well, for me, I like to call it the gap. And I think this happens for a lot of people mm-hmm. where you you have the thought of, okay, I need to do something different and you really want to do it. And then there's this whole gap of time until you actually do it. And so for me, it was about six months. And during that time, it really was the what am I going to do? Like, how do I do this? It was a learning process of, you know, just trying to figure out what is the best way for me to do it. You know, do I take it easy? Like you're saying, do I go slow or do I just go into it? Just start. And I think that was definitely more of the mental game. That's where the the mental and emotional changes came for me. Right. And then when it was time to do it, like I just started. I just, I signed up with a personal trainer and I went in. I was like, all right, I'm going 100% in. Okay. So I started working out. I started like just going crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it was, and it was funny because like during that time, you know, I just did things I just never thought I would do. And I think... And I think doing the physical then pushed me mentally. Yeah. So it was kind of both. Like before I started, it was the emotional and mental stuff getting in alignment so that my physical would follow. Then once I started, it was a lot of physical things that then helped me to open up mentally to say, oh, yeah, you can do this. You can do that, you know. And so it was really that process of going inside, learning more about myself. But then at the same time, all right, I'm just going to start and I'm going to lift something, and I'm going to see what happens. Right, right. Yeah.
1: And, and I think your story can be hugely inspirational to, to people who perhaps maybe don't have many obstacles in their way and need to get their health back on track, right? Because that, that alone can be challenging and daunting for a lot of people who are like, okay, where do I start? What do I do? There's so many things out there regards fitness and training and workouts, nutrition as a whole, another rabbit hole, you know. Um, yeah. But you're, you're facing OI you know, you're literally going to a gym, putting putting your bones on the line, so to speak, because you're you're not sure what might happen when you train. And uh,
0: exactly, you know, for you to
1: overcome that, can I, I think people? I think we all think we have it tough until we look at maybe someone else's situation and be like, okay, that person has it tougher than me. There's no excuse I can't why I, I can't do this. You know,
0: exactly. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. I, uh, you know, I. I hope that my story will inspire people to, to just get out there and do something. Of course, you know, I, as a OIR, as someone with brittle bones, I understand there's, you know, a lot of people that may have other fragile things have like osteoporosis, right? Like that's, you know, fragile bones right. also. Yeah. So a lot of people will, you know, there's a lot of things where you can equate it. For me, it's like, look, we have to get moving and we got to lift things that are going to be heavy, but we just got to do it in the right way. And I think that's what, you know, changed for me, too, was understanding, you know, I'm not just going to go crazy. I'm not just going to, like, do it on my own. I'm going to get help. I'm going to listen to somebody. I'm going to have them show me the proper way to do this. Mm -hmm. You know, once I learned that actual resistance training makes bones stronger, Mm -hmm. just that little piece of information helped me. Because it was like, oh, okay, well, then I do need to do resistance training. Um, You know, little things like that and really getting guidance and help. I think that's what really helped me too, because I think it's important. A lot of people, they just don't know, they don't know what to do. Right. They, you know, and, and with the fear factor there as well, that's another layer that you can't get through unless you may have assistance. You know, if you've got someone just telling you what to do, then you don't have time to fear anything. You just do it.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, and that's something we, we come across, um, every week at the movement lab here because you know there's so much information out there when it comes to training and workouts and stuff like that and you know if if you're starting off and you're looking to get on track and start a proper regime or program there's just so much information to decipher through it it can be daunting you know
0: absolutely there's you know people say oh just google it you know just go to youtube you can find workouts and i'm like well, yeah, you're going to find workouts, but you're not going to know what to do with them. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> you know, you're you gonna, know. What, are you going to find one workout and do that you know, all the time? It's yeah. like, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> you got to put a program together. It's yes. bigger than that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, just kind of um, fill me in, like, on your, your journey then, your training journey in the gym, like, compared to maybe the first time you went in as opposed to now. What were some of the things you learned initially starting off that you've, you've built up over time?
0: Yeah, it was really – the biggest thing for me was just functionality, uh-huh. um, learning my body, really learning, like, how I move. With OI specifically, There's um, there can be deformities in how the bones are and how – so that will affect functionality right. and movement and, and range of motion. Like, that's a big thing for me is just – learning all those things, especially for my hips, like my hips are where it's most, I'm most affected with like limited range of motion. Okay. And so for me, it was really just learning how to use my body. Cause a lot of people, you know, they just don't understand that. I didn't understand that at all. I'm like, you know, lifting weights and like actually doing certain exercises, just body weight exercises and all that. Like there's that muscle and mind connection that I learned. Um, I started to learn what it felt like to move in certain ways. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the biggest breakthrough for me where it was like, you know, just doing a simple squat. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, my gosh, like this isn't just like standing up from a chair. This is something different. This is like. Wow, I was feeling my back differently and feeling my my thighs differently, my quads and my hamstrings, my butt. I'm like, oh, my God, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm, like, feeling things in my butt? I didn't know I was supposed to feel that. Right. Like, so I had huge breakthroughs for me personally because I had never, like, moved certain muscles yeah. in the way that I did once I was in the gym. Right,
1: right. And that, that's a huge component of it, though, because, you know, what your, the little story you just told there, that is something a lot of people I coach for the first time that is like their aha moment you know it's like okay Mm -hmm. uh, you know everybody knows what a squat is and and everybody's somewhat familiar with like a hip hip hinge or a deadlift position but Mm -hmm. very few people will know what should I feel in those movements right and so that can be like the biggest aha like oh this is my breakthrough thing this is what I'm supposed to feel it's not just a matter of just do this movement and that's your workout like are you feeling these muscles working for you
0: Exactly. And that's something that you can't or don't necessarily get when you're just trying to do it on your own. Yeah. You know, and that's why I always encourage people to, to get assistance, you know, find a coach, find someone that can train you, because then you can really get deeper into that. Uh, talking about now, post to feel, you know, right. and that's where, um, you know, for me, the biggest breakthroughs came. And even to this day, like working out and, you know, it's just amazing if I take time off and then I come back to it. I'm like, wow, this feels good. I can still do this, you know? I can yeah. still move, I can still do a deep squat like I never did before. Like, So yeah, things that I, again, never thought possible for myself. It's just amazing what I was able to accomplish in the gym.
1: Yeah, it's fantastic. And looking back for you, have you noticed, from, from a mental standpoint, have you noticed a growth, obviously, from when you were younger
0: to now, as to how you've been able to deal with all of this. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing, again, is embracement, embracing my disability, you know, embracing it, looking at it differently, um, how to really work with it as opposed to fighting against it. A lot of people with physical disabilities, you know, there's a, a few different modes. It's either you're letting it control you or you're denying it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did both of those things throughout my life. And then there's the third mode that I operate in, and that is working with it and really trying to figure out what can I do instead of what can't I do. And that was the biggest you know, switch that I flipped uh, when it came to any of this physical stuff, when it came to any of the nutrition stuff, I mean, even eating. So just having that mentality and understanding that this is part of me I'm not going to deny it anymore, but I'm not going to let it control me either. Right. Like, I'm going to work with it to be the, you know, strongest, most efficient, most mobile person that I can be. The most efficient person I can be. That's awesome. That's
1: awesome. Yeah, because what you just mentioned there is like one of our... Our main go-to's when we have someone brand new come into our training facility, you know, because we want we want to focus on the positives. Okay, what we're we're going to assess you, and we want to see what can you do, and we're going to do a lot of that, you know, as opposed mm-hmm. to me telling you, listen, you can't do this, this, and this, and focusing on the negative side of things, you know, because you know I'm not here to 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 fix you or, or tell you you're broken or anything. I'm here to help you do what you can do. And over time, possibly get to those things that perhaps seem out of sight at one point in time.
0: Yes, absolutely. That's the best way to do it. Yeah. A lot of people have a picture and sometimes, you know, like I used to do that too, where I would see somebody else and I'm like, well, I want to do what they do. Right. And it's like, well, realistically, and it's totally fine. Maybe I'm not going to be able to do that thing, right. you know, and, and that's okay. Because you know what, I can do all these other things, yes. you know, right. for that one thing I can't do, there's 10 that I can. And I think that's, what's important for people to understand.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good mental approach. And, and definitely something I think, you know, needs to be kind of broadcast and uh, publicized a little bit more as to like, we're, everybody's different, like we, like we can't all yeah. do everything, you know? So that's, yeah, that's awesome. And then also, you know, Kind of looking back, and we mentioned the the transformation from the wheelchair to to standing on crutches, and then and then walking on your own. What have been like the biggest success stories along the journey, or or like, some of the big wins?
0: Let's see. I mean, my biggest win was literally jumping. <laughs> like the running and jumping for me. Right. My biggest wins, I feel, that was one of the biggest wins, just because the the fact that I was able to get both feet up off the ground at the same time, yeah, uh, and have the strength to do that was just mind-blowing. That's, that was definitely one of them, and, and running too, like doing the first 5K that I did, the color run out in Los Angeles, I mean, just the fact that I finished it, uh, I didn't stop, I just kept going, maybe I slowed down to a walk at times, right. but... You know what? I picked it up and I, and I ran that whole thing. Yeah. And so, like, that was a huge accomplishment. I think, you know, like, seeing certain muscles in my body, that's another thing that's been huge for me. Right. Just seeing, like, yeah, I can develop a muscle. I can make it grow. Uh, I can get stronger. And then just, you know, one small thing. And, it you know, it's, it's not a big deal for other people, but it was huge for me. There was a time after I really started working out and getting stronger where I slipped and I fell. Mm-hmm. and usually for me throughout my life that means I would break something Right. and that time when it happened I didn't break anything I just felt a little pull in my hip and I got up and I was like oh nothing's broken
1: okay.
0: <laughs> and then I just walked on yeah. and so like that little accomplishment was so huge for me and I think just the recognition of it was so important because right. a lot of people they take for granted those little wins and uh, for me, that was that was a, a small thing that happened, but a huge win. Right. And uh, would you attribute that,
1: Tony, to your your training regime, in, like making you less fragile in that in that respect?
0: Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, that's definitely um, something that has just kept me going. I felt that 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 slip and fall definitely was because of my my training, and even since then. Really, I've been focusing on my balance, my agility, <laughs> really being able to stay on my feet, uh, fall prevention, you know, because that's mm-hmm. a big thing for us OIers, making sure we don't fall. Right, right. And so that's been one of my big things, too, because I know as I get older, that's a concern for a lot of people. Okay. So I'm working on my balance and my agility and my stamina, just making sure that I prevent those falls. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, I'm right. I'm right there with you because I have my parents uh, on a strength training program, and you know they're they're getting up there and close to 70 now, and, and stuff like that. So you know, as you get older, like that as well. Uh, I'm always preaching to my parents, you know, listen If you fall, I want you to be strong enough to be able to get back up again.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, because mm-hmm. because the figures
1: of people who fall and can't get back up, it, it's absolutely staggering as to that can be the first step in almost like a cumulative effect of bad things happening f- physically to you.
0: Yeah, that's and that's crazy. That yeah. is, um you know, that's disheartening. And to know that there it can be different is even more disheartening because you just want to, you know, tell everybody. You want right. everybody to know. Wait, for there's sure. a different way to do this. Oh yeah, okay, oh, yeah.
1: exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah, yeah. you know, when I, when I was kind of putting the outline for this episode together and just looking at your notes online, and and when you uh, you mentioned you were doing plyometric jumps and uh mm-hmm. you know all these things you're doing at the gym from from being diagnosed with OI, it's, uh, that really kind of struck me. I had to take a second to be like, wow, that is, that's a major accomplishment. And uh, I just want to say, like, congrats to you on, on everything because this is, a, this is a heck of a story.
0: Thank you so much, yeah. I, I, I appreciate it. You know, that's, that's why I wanted to share it. I just wanted to, to show you know, what I've done and again, hopefully motivate and inspire other people to do the same.
1: Definitely, definitely, definitely inspirational. you know, again, kind of getting back to the notes, initially we connected, had a little hip hop connection. And, and you uh, you are your DJ still and MC?
0: Yeah, it's so crazy because when, uh, you know, when I heard about the podcast and that was one of the kind of a requirement, not a requirement, but something that could be cool as a connection. I was yeah. like, oh, my God. This is a this is a dream come true right here to be able to talk about not only my disability right. and my journey but talk about like my love for hip hop and DJing and MCing like I've been into hip hop since I was a kid. Okay. So it's been yeah, I still DJ to this day awesome. and I've recorded a bunch of independent hip hop music and just throughout the years and you know, still doing it where I can of, of course.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and and who are some of the uh, your favorite MCs or rappers growing up. Man,
0: well, I'm I'm old school. Yeah. So I come from a different time. You know, I'm 47 now. So I mean, my I'll give you my top five. Rakim. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. I got Rakim, Nas. Yeah. I would say Eminem for sure. Okay. I would say let's see, number four. I'm a I'm a big fan of Redman. Um, and then I would say my fifth is probably probably got to be Biggie. Nice. Probably got to be Biggie. Yeah. Yeah. So I yeah. come I come from a different time, a different you know, feel of like what an MC is. Oh yeah, uh, hip hip hop's changed a lot. <laughs> oh, it <laughs> so, has, it has
1: for sure. Yeah,
0: but I come from that that old school flavor.
1: Well, we um, me and two two good friends of mine, we uh, we just started a nineties hip hop podcast called Ain't No Half Seven. Um, oh, and, you're uh, me. Yeah, I know right. <laughs> And um, every, every month, we just uh, look back on one of like the, the standout albums from the 90s, you know? Yeah. We were doing Dr. Dre. We were recording for Dr. Dre's The Chronic last month. And, oh. uh, you know, when we look back on these, these albums from the 90s, it's just staggering the amount of good MCs and vocalists that were out there and, and just the creativity of that era, too, right?
0: yeah absolutely first of all i'm going to subscribe to that today (laughs) Uh, second of all (laughs) second of all yes absolutely there was just a different intention behind what emceeing was you know and what the culture was about for me you know as a as a white kid back then it was way different than what it is now because i was really kind of learning about different people through the music and through and about different cultures and about what people were going through and and I loved it, you know, it was really something that pushed me to just get outside of myself and, and, and learn more about the world. And especially when it came down to lyrics, I mean, people were just more intent on giving a message,
1: yeah.
0: um, giving a message and having fun while you're doing it. So, um, yeah, for me, the lyrics were super important and I always listened to it. And, but, of course, the beats, you know, I was, oh, yeah. I was always into beats, too. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, back then it was a way different game. It was just a lot different, I think. Yeah, it really was. And,
1: and you know, what, what you just said there really stood out to me in relation to, like, you're hearing these stories and you're learning about different, different people and different cultures. And, you know, for me as a kid growing up in Ireland, like, I was thousands of miles away from, like, New York or L.A., where a lot of this music was being created, but I could still identify with some of the stories, you know? And I feel like my outlook on the world was helped by by the music and understanding different people's stories and what was going on in different parts of the world as opposed Mm -hmm. to just having
0: this singular view of what's going on in my world you know exactly that's what i went through too because i was really into the you know new york flavor right so you know before west coast rap really started it was it was about like what was coming from new york yeah like what's happening out there this is this is crazy like you know this is a whole different world And it made me want to go there. And it made me want to, like, learn new things and and see more of the world.
1: Right, right. And, you know, when it comes to to New York hip-hop, I feel like Nas' Illmatic album is just,
0: Uh, that's just
1: 90s hip-hop for me. That just, like,
0: represents everything, you know? Absolutely. Definition of it right oh, there. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> I, I always tell people, like, whenever I come encounter with kids nowadays that are into it, like, that's one album I suggest. Oh, when yeah. they say, well, what should I listen to, you know, from back then? Yes. I'm like, Ilmatic, that's number one. Yeah.
1: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it, and yeah. yeah. It's just so crazy to think that a lot of these uh, great albums that we look back on, you know, they were created with a lot less of what is available today, but, you know, just they just made up with, with pure talent and just... Phenomenal beats, you yeah. know, so yeah,
0: there was a lot more heart in it that th- th- I feel, I yeah. feel, you know, and I, and I can't speak for what the kids are feeling these days, but I know for me, it was just that you felt a lot more heart, a lot more passion behind it in the simplest beats, you know, yes. it was the the beat and the rhyme, and like, just going at it, and then you got the DJ doing his thing, and like yeah. man, just that whole energy yes, sure. was just so passion, passionate.
1: Yeah, that's that's something I missed, you know, is seeing an MC and a DJ together, yeah, performing because a lot of times that was just like you know it's either a group or it's an individual just you know singing and performing their song, or whatever. But you know, I remember. Being back home in Ireland when I was growing up, a 14, 15 year old teenager, and seeing like Snoop Dogg with his DJ, and you know, the DJ was doing his like little scratching routine before the song started. And I'm, I'm just hooked, you know, so
0: yeah. yeah. Well, I got a question for you What was your favorite show that you saw in Ireland? Like, what tour oh, came man. through that was your favorite? So, so, we used
1: to, we got different um, rappers coming through Dublin, you know, but yeah, and I went to a couple of, of shows, and they were all really good, but. The one thing that really stuck with me was we got the we got Yo MTV Raps every Wednesday at midnight, right? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I remember watching Yo MTV Raps, and there was two episodes that stuck out to me. First was with Biggie, and just seeing him rhyme and his flow was just like life changing. And the second episode was when they interviewed the Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> yes, yes. And they were all wearing these black hoodies, and I was like, what is going on right now, you know? <laughs> so, oh, yeah, man. That was, that was, it just
0: blew your mind. It amazing just now, yeah. man, That oh, was yeah. mind-blowing. Yes. Yeah.
1: And, like, welcome back on Wu-Tang, there was 12 guys in there, and they all blew up, you know? Like, how many, how many times did that happen where you have this vast group, and they're all successful individually
0: and collectively, you know? Exactly they did stuff yeah they they were innovative beyond oh my goodness
1: it's yeah it's it's definitely a time i don't i don't think we'll ever get back to but it's it's awesome that i you know experienced it to a certain extent and yeah
0: yeah no we 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 definitely were fortunate to be alive during that time i always tell people that i'm like man i am so happy that i was able to go through that during that time oh
1: yeah oh yeah awesome totally yeah i just wanted to like fill us in on maybe some of your plans for the future. Obviously you have the book going on right now and you're doing some some speaking events and stuff like that. What, uh, what's, what's in your plans for the future?
0: Yeah, well, right now, it's definitely about actually working on the next book. Okay. I, um, you know, Disable Your Disability is still out there. I'd love everybody to go grab a copy and, and, and read up. You're going to hear about my story and um, and really learn ways to, to get fit if you have a physical disability or if you don't. And then, uh, you know, for me, I'm working on the next book, which I'm hoping to release later this year. I'm also doing um, a lot of stuff online. Uh, my YouTube channel is really starting to pick up, so um, I would encourage people to come check that out. It's disable your disability, or just Tony Jacobson. You can look up my name, and on my YouTube channel, I'm just basically every you know every video is about you know overcoming the disability. How can we get past our physical limits and and do something that's healthy for our lives? So you know I encourage people to come check that out. You know for me, it's just really finding new ways to help people. I mean, that's really what my journey is about now. How can I share my story, just continue to improve myself, because we're always a work in progress. So how can I improve myself, and then how can I translate that to other people and, and help them along the way during their journey? That's so awesome. I yeah. encourage everybody to come check out my website, disableyourdisability.com. That's the best place to go to to, to get to all this great stuff. Awesome.
1: Very, very inspirational story, and uh, definitely... Definitely someone who, you know, just from my research on you and and getting to know you over these last couple of days, and definitely something I recommend for everybody to check out because even, like you said, if you don't have a disability, the story and the mindset of approaching everything is something I I wholly recommend. So, yeah, definitely check out Tony's website. Are you on social media at all, Tony?
0: Yeah, you can find me on all the... uh all the best channels. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's uh, my handle on all of social media is at I am Tony Jacobson. So on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, uh, mostly on Instagram nowadays. But it kind of fluctuates. You know how yeah. social media is. I'm oh, kind of yeah. I'm kind of all over. But Instagram is where uh, most of the good stuff goes down.
1: Awesome, awesome. All right,
0: Tony, I want to say thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, you're so welcome. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Awesome. Right, and you guys listening at home, please leave us a review. Tell us what you thought of the interview with Tony on iTunes if you get a chance, and we will catch you on the next episode of The Global Health.